Hello, real estate world. Welcome to the Nova Show, real estate records. This is Nuria Rivera, owner of Novation Title. I wanted to create the space for you guys to be able to share success stories, but not only success stories. I also wanted you guys to be able to share raw stories, everything that you have learned from the failures, the lessons, the wins. This is a space for our community to come together so that we can help each other rise to the next level. This is a space to be vulnerable, and this is a space for us to all be able to support each other in this real estate world. Please enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Nova Show Real Estate Records. My name is Tristan Hammett, and I am your host for today's episode. In this episode, I am thrilled to have a true wealth building expert with us today. Our guest, Utah realtor Richard Jones, has dedicated his career to guiding individuals and families towards life of purpose, meaning, and financial significance through real estate. With over 12 years of experience as a financial advisor and now as a real estate consultant, Richard is a proactive problem solver with a knack for numbers and data, and he excels in delivering exceptional client experiences. Thank you so much for being here, Richard. Thank you for having me. It's great. Yes, I'm, I'm excited. Richard is very well known in our real estate community. He um, He's on panels, he's always willing to educate all of the other agents, lenders, title, all of the people in our community. Um, you're always willing to give your time and I really admire that um, and am grateful for you for that. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and we'll talk about this later on. I think that's then I'll go to some things we talk about later on about why I feel like that's important. Okay, absolutely. So tell us about yourself. Where are you from? I'm from, so I'm originally, I'm not from Utah. I'm originally from Salem, Oregon. Grew up in the Salem, Oregon area. My parents are there. My grandparents are still there. Uh, everybody's still there. Beautiful. Uh, it's kind of country, isn't it? Uh, is it we're, a little country? We're right in the middle of the Willamette Valley. So okay. we're, it's very wet. It's the, what you think of when you think of Seattle, nine months of, of a year of rain and gray and cloudy and but we are an hour from the beach, and we are an hour from the mountains, and so we also, you know, we're in the middle of the <clears throat> middle of the valley where they cut the weed every year, and so about twice a year I can't breathe for about a month or two. But uh, no, it's a pretty area. But uh, yeah, I grew up there and spent uh, 12, 13 years there as a financial advisor, okay. uh, working with my father, and you know, did pretty well. I'm pretty good with numbers. Uh, didn't love the job itself. But learned some valuable experiences there about you know client experience and and converse, difficult conversations and and planning and building wealth and things like that. So it's it, it was a good uh, a good springboard to what I'm doing now. Okay, absolutely, and I, I do want to get into that because that's a huge part of I've heard you speak before, and it's a great value add that you bring to your clients. And so when you moved to Utah, um, can you tell us about why? You, and when you got into real estate? Yeah, so there was a time, whatever, 2017, um, we'd been, I'd been there about 12, 13 years doing what I was doing as a financial advisor. Wasn't loving it, there was um, some other things going on in my life. I actually ended up in a place where I was dealing with some depression and um, that wasn't like the reason for the change, but um, you know, got, some, got some help, you know, needed help for that. And as I was sort of coming out of that a few months later, just started to think about, you know, things in a little bit different way. And, you know, numerous conversations with my wife and, you know, kind of where we were in our family and, and what we wanted to do. And um, really just one day we felt individually and then together, just like, you know what, it's, it's time for a change. Mm -hmm. And so we started exploring that a little bit. Like, what does that mean exactly? Like, I grew up here, I spent my whole life here. We've been here in Oregon for, you know, 12, 13, 14 years. Uh, like, what, what does that look like? And the more we thought about it, the more we felt like, you know what, let's, let's go to Utah. And that was not the, uh, not the answer I was thinking we were going to come up with. Yeah. Uh, when we did think about Utah, we're like, oh, St. George, we love St. George, let's go to St. George. And the more, we, the more we tried that on, like it just didn't feel right, it just didn't fit St. George area. And we kind of, we kind of, I think we kind of knew Salt Lake was kind of the place for us. I don't think anyone, either one us really wanted to admit that right away, because like, oh, Salt Lake, no, let's go to St. George. Um, but my wife has some extended family here, some aunts and uncles and cousins, and, and her grandma was still here at the time. And, and so we ended up deciding, okay, we're gonna move to Salt Lake. And we knew that with that was going to come a, uh, either a job and or a career change. Mm -hmm. And so really for the first time since really college, I started looking at like, what do I really wanna do? 
I was 35 years old at the time. Like, what do I want to do when I grow up, right? And so I started thinking, okay, what do I, what do I enjoy? I enjoy working with numbers and with people, and I'm pretty good at, you know, solving problems and, you know, running numbers in my head and things like that. And I always kind of had been interested in real estate. I, you know, in Oregon, Zillow, can I say Zillow? In Oregon, Zillow is a very useful real estate website. You know, right. the data is accurate. You know, that's where people put their listings. And so I'd always had kept track of you know, my own neighborhood and, and my own home value and things like that. And so going through this thought process, like, you know what? I think real estate might actually be something that I would enjoy. I had no idea what I was getting into. No idea what that actually meant. Um, I had sold and I had bought and sold two homes at that point, but looking back on it now, like I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing in those couple of transactions. I had a great agent who guided me through it, but I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and I looked at that and went, yeah, real estate could be, could be, it could be good for me. You know, with, with our family, we had four kids at the time. Real estate could be an opportunity where I can set my own hours, be my own boss, work hard, which is, you know, I, I just. I think I'm wired to work hard. I, I don't. I don't sit around and do nothing very well. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just checked those boxes, and so I, I worked on getting my real estate license while we were still in Oregon. We packed up our house, moved out here the week before Thanksgiving, 2017. Our house in Oregon was not sold. We did not have a house here. Uh, my wife's aunt was good enough to let us stay with her uh, for a couple of months while we kind of figured out where do we want to live. What, you know, we found a house. Our house was sold in Oregon. But really, it was just we're we're going. Yeah. We're gonna go, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna figure out how to make it work. We don't know what that's gonna look like, but we're gonna make it work. Yeah, figure outable. That's what I like to say. But yeah. okay, so you came here, everything, bought your home, and then you sh did you shortly after decide to get like licensed? So I had my license when we got here. I, I did my I did all my hours, took my exam while we were still in Oregon. Oh, so I, so okay. I, I drove into Utah with my license in hand. It was inactive. I didn't know what to do with that. I met with a couple of brokerages, a couple of different teams. Like, and I look back on that too and just think like, I had no idea what to ask. I mean, I, I Googled, you know, what to look for in a brokerage and all the <laughs> things. But like, I look back now and go, man, like I, I had no idea. And through a friend of a friend, um, was introduced to a team leader at the, uh, the brokerage I started with who now, you know, is one of my best friends in the world. Mm -hmm. um, was an absolute blessing to be able to be introduced to him. And um, he wasn't adding people to his team at the time. And he's like, I don't know why I'm even reading this email from you or why I'm making this phone call, but let's, let's get together and talk. And the thing that stood out to me meeting with him was um, every other brokerage I talked to and, you know, team leader I talked to, they all wanted to tell me how much money I was going to make. Our first year agents do this. Our you know first two two years our agents do this, and they you know, they all want to tell me about the splits and, and the money and things like that. And Brian's first question to me once we actually got together was, he says, "I'm just going to ask it." He's like, "How much money do you have in your bank account right now?" I was like, "That's yeah. an interesting question." We met we met you know two minutes ago. We talked <laughs> about five minutes on the phone the other day. Like that's an interesting question. Yeah. And he said, "The reason I ask that is." The way we do business here on our team is we are relationship-based. He says, and what that means is we take care of our clients. He's like, and you're going to hear everybody tell you about that. Everybody's going to say they take a great, great care of their clients. We mean it. We take care of our clients. And the last thing I want you to do is feel like you're in scarcity and scrambling and just trying to make a deal happen so you can get paid because you don't have any savings in the bank. Because real estate's a long game and it doesn't always happen right away in the first, you know, two weeks, four weeks, mm -hmm. two months, whatever it is. He's like, so I need to know, I need to know that you're in this for the long haul and you can, you can grow and build your business the right way, the way that we can show you how to do it. And I was like, that is such a profoundly different answer than, or, or statement than anybody else I had talked to. Yeah. And it really like, it made me excited. I was like, yes, that is that's where I come from. That's, that's what I've been doing the last 12 years. Yeah. I've been building relationships with clients and trying to take care of them and having again these difficult conversations when necessary. I mean, we went to the great recession as a financial advisor. That was, that was fun. Uh, you know, people's yeah. 401ks and retirement accounts dropping 40, yeah. 50, 60%. There were some difficult conversations during that time, as I know there were, you know, with real estate agents at the time. Um, so that, that just, that vibed with me really well. And so we ended up, I joined his team. Um, I was there for four years. Uh, until that team dissolved after he'd run the team for 16 years. He was just, he wanted to you know, do something else. And so, um, but 
really, I was there four years, and I, I tell people I feel like I got a university degree in relationship-based real estate. Wow. Yeah, and I want to definitely talk about that because I find it so inspiring for other agents that might, well, and just maybe they are from here, but um, agents that move from a different state and they don't have that SOI, which sphere of influence, but they don't have that SOI and they don't have the, the friends, the family, the, everyone that they can contact um, to start to get and build business, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. what did your first transaction look like for you? And um, can you walk us along like that journey of, cause you are, I mean, I don't know how you were at the beginning, but we'll find out, but um, now I know that you are strictly referral based. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, can you walk us through that? Yeah, so outside of a couple of aunts and uncles and cousins of my wife's on my wife's side, uh, and by the way, we have, we have like multiple real estate agents on her side already. Mm. So like <laughs> that, although I, since since I've been here, I've, I've helped a number of family members, so I have taken some market share from my family, if you will, <laughs> my wife's family. Um, outside of family though, I, I, I knew three people here, okay. um, three friends here uh, when we moved here in the greater Salt Lake area. And so, you know, getting started, our team was not a leads-based team. We didn't buy leads, we didn't generate leads other than, you know, our open houses from listings and people like that. So, um, yeah, you know, some of the more experienced agents gave me a, a buyer to work with here and there. Um, but my, really my, my first real client of mine was a friend of mine. Um, I served a mission for the LDS Church. He was a, a companion of mine in Arizona, you know, 2002. Hadn't spoken to him since, but I knew he was here, and he was like, he was someone I knew that I could call, that I could go to lunch with, yeah. and that was, you know, Brian's like, hey, you know, let's, you know, be going to lunch with two people a week. I'm like, two people a week? I don't know two people total here, <laughs> but I know Scott, so I'm gonna call Scott, and we're gonna go to lunch with Scott because that's what I'm, I'm trusting Brian that this is the way this is gonna work. Yeah. So I go to lunch with Scott, and Scott's like, I'm glad you called me. It's, it's the golden client, right? I'm glad you called me. We've been talking about selling our house. We don't know what to do. And it comes to find out that Scott and his wife, they, they bought their townhouse when they first got married in 2008, um, just the two of them. 2018, they were still there with four kids in this 13-year square foot townhouse. Wow. And there was a time during the, you know, the, the, the recession where they were having conversations about, do we just walk away from this place and leave the keys on the counter because mm -hmm. we're so far underwater here that we just don't know what to do. They held it, they stuck it out. Now, you know, in 2018, we're having this conversation. And so we, we listed their townhouse and uh, we helped them find a new house along the way there. And I remember sitting at the closing table uh, with Scott and his wife, and he was looking at the, the settlement statement, the, the escrow officer there. And he, he just, he gets real quiet. He puts his pen down, like, you okay? Like, what, what's going on here? He's like, he looked at the number and he said, I didn't think I would ever have that much money in my bank account for even one day. Oh, wow. And gets all, it yeah. makes me emotional. Yeah, I just got um, And at that moment, I was like, I am in the right spot. Yeah. Like, I am helping someone do something that they didn't know how to do on their own. And much of that money went to go buy their next house. But they held some out to pay off their car and they took some out to take a family trip to Disneyland, which they had been dreaming about for five or six years, but just didn't know how they were gonna come up with the money to do it. Oh. And I, I just, I, I reflected on that and went, okay, I can help people ultimately, you read the thing, you know, my, my purpose there at the beginning there, I can ultimately help people live and build lives of significance and build wealth using real estate as a platform, mm -hmm. using the skills that I have to, to show them, to be a guide. If you're familiar with like story brand marketing, story brand marketing is all about us being the guide, not the hero. Mm -hmm. They're the hero of their own story. Right. We, we're the, we, get to, we get to guide them through that. And, I, and, I, and I, got, I didn't know what story brand was at the time, but that's, that's kind of how I saw myself. I, I got the opportunity to guide Scott and Ashley through a process that they couldn't, or didn't know how to accomplish themselves. So it, it was about a week after we closed on the, the buy and the sell there that Ashley called me up and said, hey, um, one of our neighbors in our townhouse community, they want to sell their, they want to sell their place too. I, you know, sweet. I got my first referral, right? Yeah. So I, I go and I, I help this other couple. It was, that townhouse was an investment property for them. I helped them sell theirs. And before that one had to close, Ashley called me back and said, hey, there's another person in my neighborhood down the street who 
it was a divorce case, you know, she needed help. So then we got just, I, I listed their home and sold their home. And this was all in about three months time. Um, and I, I, the light went on and it went, this is how people build a business. Yeah. They treat people really well. They make sure that they have a great experience. And when we all talk about, you know, whatever it takes, I, I think there's some limits to whatever it takes, ethically, legally, morally, things like that. But we do whatever it takes to make sure our clients have a great experience. And we not only teach them how to then introduce us to other people, but we also teach them to recognize the opportunities that they have to do that so that they can be the guide or the hero in someone else's life by guiding them to us so that we can then guide them to ultimately reach their goals. And so that's, that's when the light went on and I, and I thought, you know what, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to cold call. I don't want to knock doors. Yeah. I don't particularly want to do open houses. I don't want to spend money on mailers or flyers or anything else. I just want to do, a, I want to work with people who want to work with me, who know me or, and or, introduce me to the people that they know and like. Just very organically. Yeah, and what I found is like, I when I go to a listing appointment now, or I meet with a buyer, or call a buyer on the phone for the first time, um, there's almost that instant credibility built in. Because it's not, it, I'm not just some random person that they saw on some website or very, whatever it was. Very it's like, warm. It came from someone they like right. and trust saying, hey, someone's rich and is who you need to talk to. He can help you, he can guide you to solve your problem here. Mm -hmm. And so, I. I just think it makes a, a totally different approach when I'm in a listing appointment. Like I'm not there feeling like I'm competing for business and selling myself and, oh, what do I need to reduce my price to to get you to say yes? I'm, I'm there the moment I show up to the moment I leave is I'm there to help you. Yeah. And I think I think people can feel that. I think right. they, they can feel that you're there to help them, not sell them. Well, you're leading with need, not greed. Yeah, exactly. And people can definitely feel that. And I had a conversation with somebody the other day and she was like, my my agent was, I just, she was so, like, just trying to get me to do things that weren't in my best interest, you know, and she's like, I felt like, oh my gosh, like, just let me breathe a minute, you know, I could feel the desperation, is yeah. she, the word she used. Oh, it, people can see and sense it from a mile away. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, to your point of, you know, why I, I, I'm a continuing education instructor, I, you know, I teach agents, you know, different things, investment things, and whatever else, but one of the main reasons for that is, you know, people can people can smell the desperation from a mile away. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunately why people have a lot of times negative experiences buying or selling a house. It's already stressful enough right. just by the nature of what it is. But if they don't feel like they're being taken care of or cared for or seen or heard, uh, it just makes it that much more stressful. And if, if we if we can improve the level of professionalism in our industry, if we can articulate our value better and then also demonstrate it better. Um, we'll move up the rankings as far as level of trust out of the 30 to 35 range with used car salespeople up to that, that category of maybe, you know, family physician, accountant, attorney, you know, that, that sort of trusted advisor mm -hmm. around an individual or family, which is where I think we should be. You know, we're, we're dealing with, you know, quite possibly their largest financial transaction of their life. You know, we, we should be in that, that circle of trust rather than the used car salesperson. I completely agree. I mean, you're dealing with contracts, you're dealing with not only your your client's money, it's the other side's money, it's like, it's a lot of money. We, I, I, I had this conversation with someone a couple weeks ago. I don't think as real estate agents, we understand just how um, out there on the edge of, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. We, we deal with both contracts and we deal in sales. Mm -hmm. And that is a combustible combination if we don't do it right mm -hmm. or we don't do it at a high level of professionalism. Our, our level of liability, if we really stop and look at it, is off the charts high because we're dealing with contracts and sales. Yeah. And I think that that's it becomes incumbent upon us to know what we're doing, do it well, and do it with a high level of, of professionalism. I completely agree. Um, I want to move back, uh, touch base. You had mentioned like when you're at your listing appointments, you don't... Um, you feel like it's a, it's very warm and things like that. Um, and I want to combine this with um, I know because I know you that um, you you help your clients. You're trying to help them build wealth through real estate. So, are you? What kind of questions are you asking them at the listing appointment so you can gauge their their future mm -hmm. and what um, how you can help them with investing and things like that. It's a great question. And um, throughout actually like the whole 
um, your relationship with past clients? It's a great question. Uh, it's really one question that I come out maybe a number of different ways. The, the, the one question is what's most important to you? That's it. What's most important to you? Now there's a couple ways we're going to get at that. We're going to get some clarity on that because the first answer you give me is probably not the most clear answer mm -hmm. because most people haven't been asked a question like that yeah. at least for some time. What, hey, what's most important to you about that? Whoa, like I thought you were going to tell me like what you charge for commission or you know, what you think my house is worth or what you think I need to do to get, no, what's, what's important to you? Mm -hmm. And we'll have that conversation. And uh, Chris Voss uh, is, has a great book, it's called Never Split the Difference. He's a former uh, international hostage negotiator. And he calls his book, he titled his book Never Split the Difference. His, his point in that is when I'm negotiating hostage, a hostage situation, if I split the difference, somebody dies. Now, we're not necessarily in that position when we're like negotiating real estate or time of real estate, but, but the point remains the same. He has these principles of negotiating, which are really principles of, of communication, to where you, we help people get clarity, it builds trust, and, and we let them know that we're all on the same page. By the way, we ask questions. Um, he, he says that getting, getting a yes answer to a question is the worst thing you can do because it shuts down the conversation. Even if someone isn't clear on what they're trying to do, or maybe you don't quite understand what they're saying, if you ask a question and they say yes, it shuts down the conversation. Because if you try and go back and ask it again, it's, it's awkward, it's, it's like, weird. Like, wait, yes. yeah, I, already, I already answered that question. Like, why are you asking me that again in a different way? Yeah. Are you trying to trick me or something? Or what is there? So, so he says, no is greater than yes. We're looking for a no answer. A no answer to a question keeps the conversation going because the person you're talking to feels like, oh, Richen doesn't quite understand what I'm saying it. Let me see if I can clarify it and tell it, you know, say it a different way which what that does for them is it makes them go deeper in their own mind mm. to get clarity on, okay, how do I actually articulate what's most important to me? Right. And he says, so no is greater than yes. And he says, that's right is better than both of those answers. As I'm talking to somebody, we're having this, you know, what's most important to you conversation and we're going deep, you know, tell me about, tell me more about that. I'm curious when you said this, that can mean different things. What, you know, what does that mean to you? We have this back and forth dialogue, helping them get clarity all along the way. And only at the point where I feel like I've got a pretty good understanding, a really good understanding, in fact, of what they have just told me, I'll repeat back to them. Tristan, what I hear you saying is, your goal is da 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 by doing this and this, this and this, in this amount of time frame. At that point you say, That's right. That's right. And then you're in agreement. We're in agreement. You know that I have heard you that we're all on the same page, you feel heard and respected, and there's, there's just this ultimate like level of trust, they're like, okay, now we can move forward together. So that, that's really, again, it's, it's a simple question, it's just one we don't ask very much. You know, what, what's most important to you? Yeah, wow. Let's talk, let's talk about that. That is really good information. It's so true, you feel heard. Me as a client, I'm feeling heard. Mm -hmm. Like, this is our, these are our goals, this is what, um, this is what I'm trying to do. And for you to be listening makes the biggest difference. Uh, one thing I learned from Brian as well, he would always, sometimes he'd walk in with one, but he, he'd say, just imagine everybody has a sign around their neck that says, make me feel important. Mm -hmm. and, and we make people feel important by, by list, truly listening to them and, and understanding them. And if we don't understand, we ask a question mm -hmm. until we understand. And that, I think that's, not, not to soapbox it, but I think we could solve a lot of problems if we would just listen, ask questions, restate and clarify and get to a that's right yeah. you get it you know we get we're on the same page here yes very cool um i oh i just had a question i wanted to ask you about that and um okay well it'll come back to me it'll come back to me but um i want to talk about your the mindset and um how you stay like positive when there can be uncertainty in real estate and what's happening in the market. So how do you protect your mindset and? That's a good question. Um, yeah, we're recording this in you know, mid-September 2023. It's been a rough year and a half for the housing market, especially locally, right? Like yeah, we've seen sure. with, with, with what rates have done and where our local prices are, like it's, it's difficult for people to buy a house right now. It's difficult to get their heads around the payment or the price or both or giving up their two and a half percent rate for a seven percent rate or whatever it is. And so it, it's 
yeah, there are days where it's like, what do we do? Like, I can't have the conversation one more time with somebody about, yeah, I get it. Your payment's going to be twice of what your current payment is. Mm-hmm. Um, and from, let me, let me answer one part of the question, then I'll come back to the mindset question. That's where it becomes back to what's most important to you. Why are we having this conversation? Um, you called me over here, you asked me a question, you jumped on my website, you were looking at homes, whatever, whatever it was that generated this conversation, what's most important? Is it, you know, a life event, you know, birth, death, divorce, marriage, kids, whatever it is, mm-hmm. is it a life event or is it a, you know, uh, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of discretionary buyers and sellers out there right now. Most people moving are, are, are moving around are doing so because of a life event. And so from a mindset perspective, I think it's getting our heads around the fact that it's not 2021 anymore. And we could talk about, you know, some difficulties in, of the market in 2021. There, it was a different set of variables. Mm-hmm. But 2021, I mean, it wasn't hard to, you know, ask somebody, hey, who else you know that's thinking about buying a house? And, you know, they give you three people because everybody, you know, money was free and, you know, <laughs> things were good. And uh, again, it had its own challenges, that sort of market. I think if we go in with the right frame of mind of what our market is right now, we realize that, okay, the people who are most likely to buy or sell a house right now are in need. Like they're ninja selling, for instance, we'll talk about, you know, there's, there's a, uh, people buying or sell houses for pleasure or for pain. Mm-hmm. We sort of gotten rid of the pleasure reason right now. And that's the discretionary buyers and sellers. We're, we're dealing with people who have a pain point right now. They're calling us because they have a some sort of issue, some sort of pain they need alleviated, and they don't know what to do about it. So I think if we go in with that mindset, while it may be difficult for us, I think it puts us in a more empathetic st- uh, place mm-hmm. when we're talking to them. So we can understand like, yeah, I, man, yeah, your payment is gonna be twice as much if you move, or you know, what do we, what do, we do here? But then from another perspective, it's like, okay, what's the opportunity here? Yeah. What's the opportunity? What's the opportunity? And that's, I think about one of my clients who bought a house in, in July, you know, they, the opportunity for them was they were outgrowing their house, which was a very real concern for them. Um, they homeschooled their kids, mm-hmm. and you know, you got to have space. And they, they loved their house, they loved their neighborhood. It just wasn't like, and they're like, well, do we sell this house or what do we do? And I, there was a space of about three weeks where I, I talked to four people out of selling their house. <laughs> uh, I said, like, this, this doesn't make any sense for you. Let's yeah. look now. You know, let's have the most important conversation. And and with this particular family, it was your your home is more valuable to you not living in it than it is living in it. Your payment's $1,400. You know, you got a four bedroom, three bath house, I'm not gonna name the city, but you know, you've got a great location for a, a good rental property here. Mm-hmm. So we started looking at, okay, what's most important to you? We had the discussion. We ran the numbers, we figured out what would work for them. And ultimately what we came to was they bought a second property that they could rent the basement to someone else. They could live upstairs. They rented out their first house and net, their net payment right now is less than what their $14 a month payment was in the house they were living in. Wow. Between the cash flow on the first house and the basement rental on the second one. And for them, like I, I call them, I, I think there's a lot of these people, a lot of people are becoming accidental landlords where they didn't never intend to own investment properties, but the house they're living in, it just doesn't work for them anymore for any whatever reason, but their payment and their rate are just so low and they have so much equity in it because of the market and what it's done that they can put 5% down on the next house or pull from a HELOC and you know make the down payment on the next house. And there's some strategy there to make sure you pay it off and there's some conversation there obviously, but they're becoming accidental landlords and in the same breath, they're building wealth through real estate because now they have two houses that are appreciating the tax benefits, the appreciation, the principal pay down, all these things that we know ultimately builds wealth in this country is, is property ownership. Now they, have, now they have two properties. Yeah. And you walk someone through that either hypothetically or in this case, in real life, and a light bulb clicks. They're like, oh, can, we do this? can we do this again? Like, how, I have to be in this house a year? Okay, I would like to do this again in a year. <laughs> these, are yeah. people, these are people who just signed a mortgage with like 7% on it, right? <laughs> and they're like, can we do this again in a year? Can we move again in a year? Because they see the numbers working. They, right. they see the wealth building. They, they see conceptually, okay, if I do this, and then I do this, no matter what the market is, and I do this, like they can start to see that wealth build to where maybe maybe real estate becomes part of their retirement plan now, mm-hmm. in addition to whatever else they may, they may be doing. Maybe it becomes a place that their kids can live in down the road if they're worried about 
are their kids going to be able to afford to live here rent wise or buying wise and i think that just that's i think if we take that mindset of like a, a you know a servant leader attitude where again we're the guide we're not the hero we're the guide and we have information that can really help people through a struggle because what we know is I mean, you know, i'm a data i'm a data junkie right mm -hmm. what we know from nar is um this is so this is the 2020 to 2022 report that NAR comes in. It's like 160 pages worth of data. I've read it all, I love it, it's great. If you break down why people move, whether it's a buy and a sell or just a buy, whatever, the reason why people move, you break them down, they break them into categories, I put them back together in just two categories. There's life events and there's non-life events. It's about 50-50. About one in two people moving around right now are doing so because of life event. If we can capture that and understand that and show them that not only can I solve your pain, but I can help you move forward, all of a sudden we become very valuable. We become part of that trusted circle of advisors because now we're guiding them and helping them in a way that is far more than just a transaction. And then back to where we started, we teach them how to introduce them, how we teach them how to introduce us to others that they know because they know people who are experiencing the exact same things mm -hmm. who don't know what to do about it. Right. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, Richard told me that this is gonna happen. He told me I was gonna have this conversation. I know exactly what to do now. I'm gonna pick up my phone, I'm gonna pull out Richard's number, I'm gonna send him a text message, and we're gonna have a conversation about how to introduce him to my friend. Okay. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> this is the question I had that I had forgotten about. Great. Is about the referrals. A lot of agents either don't know how to correctly ask for referrals, mm -hmm. and so you, you've actually, like, you're telling me right now that basically like you've had the conversation with your clients about referrals mm -hmm. and um, how does that, that conversation look? There's two conversations I have and it's, good, it's a great question. It's a question everyone wants to know, how do I, how do I find business right now? Mm -hmm. and, and business ebbs and flows, right? My, I, I keep track of my referrals. I, I track how many referrals I get per month because that's kind of like my barometer. I know what my close ratio is, you know, all down the line. Um, there's two conversations. One is someone who's in, in a transaction and what that looks like is, you know, you're you're buying a house, you're selling a house, whatever the situation is, you are going to find yourself in more real estate conversations in this next, you know, four to six weeks than you probably will any time in your life because you're excited about it. You're excited to be buying a house or you're solving a problem, whatever it is. People are going to naturally ask you about what you're doing, and you're going to tell, oh, I found this beautiful house. Oh my gosh, it's so perfect. It's this and that. Um, you're you're just going to be in more real estate conversations in the next four to six weeks. I, I leave with that. I, I tell them that, and it, it just triggers you know this little thing in our brain, the reticular activator the system, RAS. the RAS, and and so when when they're at work or at church or at a, you know their kids' game or whatever it is, and so you know the person next to them is like, hey, so you're buying a house, huh? All of a sudden it, it triggers. Go, oh, this is exactly what Richard told me was gonna happen, and they actually get excited about yeah. it because they're like, oh, it's happening, it's <laughs> happening. I'm in a realistic conversation, and 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 maybe the maybe all they want to do is, oh yeah, where are you moving to? Okay, great. Cool, and maybe it's man, like we've been we've been trying to think about how we can you know add an investment property or how we can move to a bigger house. Man, just does does it make sense to downsize with rates? And then it's I I I've trained them on what to do and what to say next, which is basically to get them to introduce me to to them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't need them to know the market. I don't need them to know what the rates are today or what the ten year treasury did or anything else. All I need them to do is know how to connect me with them, and they have very three very simple steps. It's pull out your phone, look at my number, send me a text message, and we will talk about the best way to introduce me to your friend. Perfect. The second conversation is when they're not in a transaction, and this is you know someone that we are you know we ourselves as agents are at an event, the same event, sporting event, church, school function, whatever it is, and someone a question we always get is how's the market, right? Mm -hmm. How's the market? And sometimes they just want to know, and they're just, they're just trying to make conversation. That's fine. Answer the question. I think if we can be very intentional about how we answer that question, though, I think that we're uncovering referral opportunities. If you ask me, you know, how's the market? I say, you know, you know, that's a very interesting question. That's that's a, got a lot of answers. Are you are you interested or curious about like your own neighborhood? You see a house come up on the market in your neighborhood, or are you just you know generally curious? At that point, you can kind of tell where they're going. If it's, you know, hey, yeah, my, my next door neighbor's house went on the market. You know, I'm just curious what it's worth. Absolutely, you know, would you like to walk through it? I can walk you through it. Well, we're not looking to move. No, I, no, I don't. And you, would you like to walk through your neighbor's house, those sort of things? Yeah, it is. Uh, we can generally 
determine though, like if they start asking questions, the way I get into the referral conversation, once I can kind of know where they're coming from, I always tell a story. There's like, oh man, that's, rates are so high right now. I, I can't imagine moving from my house with a 3% rate to buy a house with, and the payment, everything else. And, you know, it's very empathetic. Ask, you know, I totally understand. I need to tell you a story about one of my recent clients. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, use, use your body of, of stories or use your brokerage or your team's body of stories to be able to share an experience of someone who, had a, who was in a similar position who you were able to help, here's how we were able to guide them and solve their problem, and then a call to action of some sort. You know, is that, is that, is that something that you know, we should talk more about? And who knows, maybe it is, right? You have to ask the question. If you don't ask the question, you never know. Very rarely do I, in fact, I don't think I've ever said, because it just sounds so salesy, who do you know that I could work with? Yeah, that's I, why I hear that all the time. I don't think those words have ever escaped my mouth when talking to a client, because it, I don't want to be that person. Instead, it's, let me tell you a story about someone I was able to guide. In, and solve their problem or help them accomplish their Is this something you goal. learned with the story uh, story branding? It's a number of sources. It's um, it's our team and the philosophy of the team for the first four years. It's story brand. It's a book called The Introvert's Edge Okay. by, um, that'll come to me later. Um, I, I am not, I am not an extroverted person. People exhaust me. Um, <laughs> I don't particularly like talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> I do it because it's, it puts food on my table. Yeah. And, and I enjoy it. I get, when I get to work with people, I enjoy it. But being at all or um, I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of being annoying. Mm. The idea of being annoying is very, very triggering to me. Yeah. And so I try and stay as far away from being annoying as possible. And so I'm never going to ask the question, you know, who do you know that can help? Who do you know that wants to buy or sell or rent or buy or sell a house right now? That's what all the scripts say, right? Yeah. And that's fine. It works for some people. It's never going to come across as authentic coming out of my mouth. But what I can say is, you know, the market, yeah, there's been some changes to it. You know, I'm curious, like, what part of the market are you interested in? Your neighborhood, market generally? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and that's... That seems like a yeah, much better in fact, question. We, in fact, we just, we, just had a, we just helped a client a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago where that was another situation. You know, is that, is that something that, you know, we should talk about? Is that something, do you know someone that's struggling with that right now? Mm -hmm. You know, can we, can we help them maybe get some information so they can make the best decision for their life? Like, your house is a very big decision. Can we get them some, some accurate information? It's always a question like, how can we, can we provide something rather than who do you know? Yeah. Sort of thing. Wow. Gosh, you are like, I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> um, I just love the way your business model and, um, also how you're so involved in our community. So we, we said that we would touch on this and why it's important to, for you to be a CE instructor, to be on panels, to be at events. And um, so can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I, I, some of my best friends are in this industry. I don't, I don't think we compete with one another. I think if we have the idea of we're competing with each, with each other as agents, um, we get in that sales mode, that transactional mode real fast. It's, mm -hmm. It's a scarcity mindset. Oh, there's only there's only so many real estate opportunities. I have to get my share, and that means someone else is going to get less. But that means I get mine. I think. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities for everybody around here. I love that real estate has such a low barrier to entry. I mean, changed my life because of the low barrier. And, you know, whatever the real estate school and some some dollars for some dues, and you're in, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's great. I think once you're in, though, we owe it to ourselves, our industry, to not only. Um, serve our consumers or our clients. Consumers generally our clients when you know, we work with them, um, but also look to improve our the other people in our industry. And that may be title or lending or our home inspectors or our appraisers, like getting to know people around the community. One of the best things I think I did early on was um, I asked a lot of questions. Uh, I, I figured out who was listing the houses in our office. And there's a couple agents who were just, you know, monster agents, listing houses all sorts of, all, all up and down. And I, I just, I started asking them questions about the contracts they were seeing, this, especially in the early COVID era, right? Early, like, like summer 2020 and 2021, when we were coming up with all sorts of different clauses about, uh, you know, earnest money going hard and we were getting rid of appraisals and, you know, escalation clauses and all these different things. I, I attached myself to agents who were listing a lot of homes and saying, what are you seeing right now? How can I help you? I love contracts. I think if I know the contract better than you know the contract, I'm going to win. I'm still competitive. Like, mm -hmm. 
I'm all about helping each other and this and that, but like I'm still competitive and like I still want to win. And I feel like if I know the contract better than you know the contract, I'm gonna win because I'm gonna know how to maneuver through it. So I'm asking people like, how do I, how do I, how do, what are you seeing? What's winning right now from you from on your listings? And then getting to know you know title people, you know lenders. What are you seeing? What sort of products are you seeing? You see the contracts. What are you seeing come through from from the buyers that that are winning? How are they structuring things? Uh, from title, it's you know. What, what issues do we need to be aware of? You know, we got seller financing going on right now, mm-hmm. contract for deeds versus lease to own, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all sorts of, quite frankly, landmines that we're probably not super prepared for to deal with as an industry. Right. Um, appraisers, what are appraisers seeing? And so for me, it's like, I feel like, I feel like the most effective individuals, yes, which is better, a giver or a taker? Well, it's, it's both, right? You can't just be one though. You can't just be a, you can't just be a giver or else you don't get anything back. Like you're not like improving yourself. But obviously, we you know being a taker, no one wants you know right. no one wants to just be a taker either. Right. So it's 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 a give and take. You know, I'm learning. I have learned. I am learning from so many people, and I feel like okay, there's other people who I can help learn. I can be that person for someone else. Right. Uh, I'm teaching a class on Friday up at the Northern Wasatch Board. It's a, it's a it's essentially a, it's a CMA class, and we're gonna have 60 agents in the room. And I imagine, I will. I imagine more than half that room will be "quote unquote" more experienced than I am, as far as more time in the industry. And I'm totally okay with that because I I come with a certain body of experience than they do, and we're all gonna share together in how do we more effectively price a property, either to list it or make an offer. And it's gonna be an amazing day, and I'm looking forward to it. But that's I mean that's the thing I think we can come together on as an industry is. There's there's some there's some headwinds that we're facing as an industry right now. You know some different um, legal cases um, that are very big that won't get into details here, obviously. Um, but I, I think I think our I think our opportunity and our threat is actually the same, and it's that I don't think as an industry we articulate what we do very well. I don't think we demonstrate the value we provide very well. Mm-hmm. And my personal opinion is that if we don't get those things right. That we will largely, as an industry, as real estate agents, be either legislated away or reduced or replaced by technology within probably ten years. And so I think that's our opportunity. I think that's where I that's where I I almost feel obligation because of the way real estate changed my life to be able to go and, and help people maybe understand in some way. And people can take it or leave it. I mean, we know walking into a class or a conference that we all take notes and you know six pages of notes during the day. And, 97% of people are going to walk out of the room and never do anything with it. That's, right. that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. That's not... My, my obligation responsibility is to give them the information and then they can do whatever they want with it. But I think that's really our opportunity is to help each other grow our industry, improve our professionalism, articulate our value, demonstrate our value so that people do see it. And so we're not being legislated away as you don't really need an agent, you don't really need title, you don't really need a lender. We can streamline this, we can you know, put technology on top of it and make it happen. Um, because at the end of the day, people, people want to talk to people. I mean, I think TurboTax is a good example. People can use TurboTax if they want to do their own taxes. Mm-hmm. And yet CPAs are still an industry, right? right? Because right. there's some people who want the personal connection. They trust the person helping them. They don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to, like, take the risk. And so they I think... They want to be calling somebody, being on hold yeah, for like exactly. hours. Yeah. I think there's a place for technology. I think there's a place for streamlining it. But there's always going to be people who need our help. And so we need to be ready to meet that challenge as we have competing um, competing voices at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to be speaking at NAR, the NAR event. I am. Right. So, yeah, so the National Association of Realtors has their, has their convention every year. It's in Anaheim this year. Um, yeah, I did. I submitted an original class that I've taught a couple times here, actually seven or eight times here locally here, and they uh, they accepted that. Um, so I'll be speaking on one of their stages on Thursday morning, uh, November sixteenth at their convention. Okay. And then I have I haven't shared this with anybody yet. You're the first one to know, um, other than my broker who I love. Um, I I was ex- it, that same class was accepted to be presented at the. Um, Residential Real Estate Council RRC um, National Convention celebration in Las Vegas in March as well. Wow! So we'll, we'll be in we'll be in Las Vegas and in Anaheim next couple months. Presenting, this is presenting so my class. exciting! Okay. Heck yeah, Richard! Breaking news yeah. on, on the podcast, right? <laughs> yes, only heard here. You first heard it here. Um, well, I 
want to thank you so much for just being um, an inspiration to many and for being um, coming from a place of contribution with your clients and your colleagues. Um, I think it's really important to have people like you in um, our industry and you definitely set yourself apart from from others. I I know you you run your real estate business as a business. You know your yeah. numbers, you know how to take care of your clients, um, most importantly, mm-hmm. and um, providing value to them. Like it, it's incredible that you said there's three to four homes that you actually talked them out of listing because it wasn't the right move. And for you to have that experience and financial background to go over the numbers with them and what does make sense to you and yeah. what's most important to you, um, I truly makes a difference. Yeah. So, and, and I guess I should clarify, it's not that I didn't talk them out of selling. I, I should, I could phrase that better. I didn't talk them out of selling it. It was, it was a, it was a conversation that we got to a, that's right. You understand what okay. I'm dealing with sort of conversation. Right. And I'm saying that. Yeah, no, and I said, yeah. it, I said it too. And that's ultimately the conversation started with, should we sell our house? And what it ended with was a, well, what's most important, you know, this and that, mm-hmm. if this, if this, then that, let me just make sure I have this right. This is what you're saying. That's right. Yeah. Okay. If that's the case, then maybe this path is a better path over here that doesn't involve selling your house. Yeah. And, and right there you're building trust yeah. with them. And that's ultimately, ultimately, um, the value, I believe a value of any one relationship is, is potentially worth exponential number of transactions more than any one transaction by itself. If we do the job right, if we stay in touch after the transaction, let them know it wasn't just a paycheck. We take care of them. We, you know, we're involved in as much as they want us to be, obviously, you know, involved in their families and when they had, you know, kids, major life events and kids events and whatever else, like they know we're still around. We're, we're part of their life now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're that trusted advisor in that, in that, you know, trusted circle there. Um, that, that, that is, that is worth, if you're worried about a paycheck and, and making money, that is worth more than any one transaction will ever pay you. I don't care what the price point is. Yeah. Um, gosh, I like, I could seriously, I want to like touch base on this too. And how are you going, how are you staying connected with your clients? Are you like, are you Yeah. every that's, six months, every three great months? Great question. What? Every week. Every week. Um, no, okay. it's, and that's, this is, this comes from Ninja, Ninja Selling, the book. Okay. Um, Disciple Ninja Selling, it's my real estate Bible, not to be sacrilegious at all, but um, I, I have auto flow set up and I have live flow set up. And between my, my auto flow, my clients get a market report just straight up from my CRM. That, you know, um, they get a market report twice a month. They get a, can I, can I name companies here, name vendors? They, they get a flyer with a coupon. Okay. They get a flyer with a coupon in it every month. That's automated or uh, it's automatically generated by the company itself. That costs me about sixty-eight cents per client. So that's a third touch every single month. They get my newsletter, which I write myself. I don't outsource my newsletter to some third party. I, I write whatever's on my mind, whatever's on my heart. Okay. Um, so they get the newsletter. So that's four touches a month. And then between a couple of client events throughout the year, you know, before and after, uh, you know. Christmas cookies on the doorstep or something like that, you know, dropping off flyers for events, Thanksgiving, you know, pies, things like that. Um, my A and B clients, I figure, get somewhere between 60 and 75 touches a year wow. from me. Not all of it's like me making phone calls or dropping on doorsteps. I don't have that much time. You know, I get spread around. But you, you combine the auto stuff with the live stuff, and you combine, I'd say, art and science. Some of it's very, like, science-y, data-oriented. Here's what's going on in your market. Here's what's going on in your neighborhood. And some it's more of the art stuff. Hey, how are you doing? Here's a you know pie for Thanksgiving. Feel good. Yeah, a feel good stuff. Yeah. And the combination of those things, yeah, sixty to seventy five times a year, my client, my A and B clients are hearing from me. Wow. Or seeing my name, or seeing my face, or whatever, some sort of reminder that Richen is in their life. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. It takes some organization, but (laughs) yeah. But once you set it up. It really it kind of runs on sort of on your own. It yeah. takes that task off of yeah. you having to do those yeah, I, I, five touches per person. I'm more than happy to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I just don't want to do that every single week. Yeah. And I want to be doing it. I want to be spending I want to be spending my active time providing the experience for my active clients. Mm-hmm. And I want my past clients to know I still care about them. And yeah. so it, it's balancing that in a way where yeah, if I, if, if I can come in and get my work done and 
three, four hours a day, I'm gonna go play golf in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm not gonna be ashamed of that. Yeah. Um, and if you know my clients need me 40, 50, 60 hours this week, they're gonna get that from me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And where can people follow you? So I'm not hard to find. Uh, if you go to Rich and Famous on Instagram, that's where my, my Instagram handle, Rich and Famous Real Estate is my LLC. So that's how people really how to say my name correctly. But yeah, Rich and Famous, R-Y-C-H-E-N, Famous, uh, my Instagram handle. Instagram handle, I'm, Instagram is totally business stuff. And then there's a link there to my link tree address, which has um, my YouTube channel, which we do some short videos on, as well as my podcast, House Money is my, is my podcast. And we, uh, it's an investor podcast. We didn't talk about investing at all, but that's, a lot of my clients are investors, mm -hmm. uh, first-time investors, new investors. And so the, the House Money podcast is geared towards, I want to become an investor in real estate. And it's the stories of some of my clients, some of my friends. We had interviewed a CPA this morning, talked about lenders and things like that to kind of help people do that. But yeah, Instagram is the best place to find me there. And then the link from there goes everywhere else. Okay, yeah. And I do have to say that after you told me you have your podcast, House Money, I I listened to it might have been the latest episode, um, and it was about um, adding a oh adding the ADU yeah the ADU yeah. Filter, I, that the, was the so good yeah. yeah yeah a lot of people I mean there there's I love real estate because there's a thousand ways to make money in real estate yeah and yeah we 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 had a client on there who's buying Section Eight housing in outside of Kansas City who's rehabbing them and and you know renting them out we've got a client who coming up who. Um, they own Airbnbs in Florida. We have a client here locally who's been doing um, just heat house hack, and then he bought a, a duplex and then a triplex, things like that. And then this group we had on most recently, um, they have a company who will they will build uh, an ADU in your in a, in a backyard somewhere. Yeah, they look up all the or, rules. Yeah. They yep. yeah, make sure that and it, it's actually on a foundation, so it's not just like some mobile structure, but it's on a foundation, and they can do it for about a hundred thousand dollars, which. If you're trying to buy a property, you can't buy a property here in Utah anywhere for hundred thousand dollars. So yeah. if you can add one to an existing property for that much and and cash flow it, it all makes all sense in the world. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's the story we're trying to bring is how are people doing different things investing wise, without being you know a, you know investing for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Like how do I how do I get started? What are some mm -hmm. of my avenues that I can take? Yeah. Go listen to that. It's a it's a great podcast. So well, thank you. Well, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on today and sharing all of your experience and all these nuggets that you've shared today. Um, I just really appreciate you and I know a lot of our listeners will as well. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. And that concludes today's episode. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate us, like us, and share this podcast with our real estate community. The Nova Show Real Estate Record, sharing raw stories of real estate, failures, lessons, wins, and successes. This is all from Novation Title, bringing a different experience into your world so that we can all uplift each other. Until next time.